Donna Tatro, host of Kids Under Construction. I've been a journalist covering families for over a decade, and I'm the parenting expert on Dr. Phil and the doctors. Now, I'm here to help you tackle the hardest job you'll ever have without an instruction manual or a license, parenting. Most importantly, I'm a mom to two very active adolescent boys. Every week, I'll be calling in the experts to get their advice on everything from creating boundaries, dealing with kids' emotional issues, and talking about drugs, alcohol, and sex. Remember, kids are under construction. It's always a challenge, but we'll get through this together. My guest today is Rachel McFarlane. You and your kids hear her different voices in animated TV series and video games. She has played many parts in Family Guy, her brother Seth's first TV show. She is the voice of Haley Smith, Stan Smith's rebellious teenage daughter in American Dad. A mom of two, Rachel's creativity never ends. She and her husband, Spencer Ladario, a director of animated series, have published two picture books for kids. But now she and her family... Two daughters, husband and her father and his wife have pulled up stakes to sit out COVID in Hawaii. We're curious about working from there and how her family is doing. But first, how did you get started in voicing for animation? Oh my goodness, it feels like another lifetime. <laughs> Long. Um, well, I've been doing it for since 1998 when I moved out to Los Angeles. Um, and I was a musical theater major in college and was pretty sure that that's what I wanted to do and moved to New York after school and realized it wasn't all that I thought it would be. And uh, I came out to visit my brother in 98 and uh, he had just started his little show called Family Guy. And uh, he said, hey, you know, if you're not planning on, I, I wasn't sure if I was gonna go back to New York at that point. And he said, I think you should stay in Los Angeles. I think you'd be really good at voiceover. I think you should give it a try. And I had never even really thought of it. And so I was working as a PA at Cartoon Network and uh, I convinced the casting director there, it was a very different time <laughs> to give me a shot. And I started doing voices on Johnny Bravo, which was the show that I was a uh, PA on. Yeah. It was so much fun. And I realized this is the kind of performing that I wanted to do. It sort of just fit the every aspect of entertainment that I loved. And then it got rid of all of the aspects that I didn't love. So it, it for me at 22 years old, it was just a, it was immediate. It's like, this is, this is what I want to do. So it's been a minute. I've been doing it for a while now. That's pretty cool, though, that your brother introed you to it. And what are the parts that you don't like that you were able to say, oh, I love voicing the other part I didn't want to do. And this is perfect for me. You know, I think when I was in my teens and very early 20s in college, especially in musical theater, so much of the focus was on physical appearance and it and especially in theater and in live action, it sort of determined what parts you could get. But in voiceover, uh, at 22, I could voice an 80-year-old woman and a five-year-old in the same day. You know, it had nothing to do with my appearance. It had everything to do with my talent. And I really liked that. It really resonated with me at the time, and it still does. Um, and it's also a really oddly normal branch of animation. The people that, that, that are in entertainment, I mean, the people that work in animation are just really down to earth and normal people. They have, <laughs> they have normal lives. 
Uh, you see them walking down the street and you don't know who they are. Um, it, it just was this way to, to be a performer, but still have the kind of life that I knew I wanted to lead. You know? Yeah, no, that sounds super cool. Tell me, how do you go from a voice of a very young person to all the way to an 80 year old? I mean, what does that take? What are you in a mindset? I don't know anything about voicing. Tell me, tell us about it. I mean, sometimes I think on, on most of the shows that I've done, obviously, which are just super fun animated shows, um, it, it isn't quite as much about uh, getting into the headspace as it is being able to turn on a dime, you know, being able to take whatever the director throws at you and deliver it back pretty darn quick. Um, so it's more of understanding what you have in your, in your um, tool belt, kind of, as a voice actor, knowing what you can do, what you can do well, and also knowing your limitations. Um, I, I remember doing an episode of American Dad years ago. I mean, probably, this was probably 10 years ago at this point. And I think, what was it? It was like old French, like an old, <laughs> I couldn't take French and marry it with the old. Like I just, I couldn't get it. And, and I remember just cracking up with my director because it was like, we hit on something that it just, I, I couldn't, it wasn't for me. I couldn't do it. I was like, <laughs> don't, don't have me do this part. So it's, it's really knowing, I feel like, you know, like in a lot of areas of performing, knowing what your strengths are, knowing what your weaknesses are and sort of, you know, using those. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that you are in Hawaii, hello, right now, you can actually do your work, right? I could turn my camera around and you'd probably be really angry at me with what you would see because I'm looking at this lovely ocean right in front of me here. Oh, you need to turn it around so I can see because <laughs> I will be very jealous. It's, it's lovely. <laughs> um, yes. And that's part of the reason that we, we did, made this move because the kids were remote you know, Spence is an animate. My husband is an animation director. Um, animation was one of those industries that turned on a dime back in March. Um, you know, we found out that they were shutting down the studios and it was really scary because all of a sudden, like everybody else, it was like, Oh God, what am I going to do for work? How am I going to make money? And within two weeks we were up and running again. So, um, you Amazing. know, yeah, it's incredible. I mean, I, I was recording from my closet, you know, I've been recording from my closet since March. So it basically just came down to what could we, how could we set it up here? And, and the challenge is, cause we're, we're on Kauai. We're on like the smallest, you know, we're on the little You're island. You're remote. You're remote. We're re we're pretty much as remote as you can get in Hawaii. Um, and so you know, I had to get a pretty solid internet connection going and find a closet that I could pad so that the sound was good and reset everything up. And after some hiccups, it's all working well. I'm doing a lot. I've had, you know, done probably four or five different shows since I've been here. You know, I've done, I do family guy and American dad table reads every week from this exact spot. Um, you know, yeah, it's working. And I, and I see um, on social media, you entering into your closet and doing your, your work. So you are really lucky to be able to do your work. Let's talk about being, yes. what you're laughing. I'm laughing because um, my current closet situation <laughs> is really hot. Like it's really freaking hot. Like my <laughs> in LA had a vent, right? So it was, I had air conditioning. And this closet has no air conditioning. So I would go in for 15 minutes and I would come out looking like I had done a Bikram yoga class. 
<laughs> and my husband was like, okay, this isn't sustainable. You're going to have sessions that are like two hours. So he built me an air conditioner that w- it's like MacGyver stuff. It's oh, a, he's awesome. It's a tackle box that has a f- computer fan on one side that's completely silent and an opening on the other. And we put ice packs in it and the fan blows air over the ice packs that then comes out the other side and cools the closet. I mean, he's amazing. When I interviewed you before, um, that little house in the back of your house that he does all of his art is, I mean, he's amazing. He is our resident tech guy here too. Like it's, you know, we're living with my dad too. And so everybody has their things that they do. Like my father is the dish guy and like Spencer's the tech guy. And, you know, we all have our roles. So that, so let's talk about that. So you're able to work. So that's amazing. That's a huge blessing. Talk about how it is for family being away from LA, being in Hawaii. Talk about this whole thought process and what you guys are doing. And you're with your father and his wife. That's correct. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't think that there are any aspects of this year for anybody that aren't challenging. I mean, you know, if you were to look at where we are right now, it seems like paradise and yet it's still uh, the pandemic and it's still really hard and we're still doing homeschooling online school. Like it's, it it was sort of a, um, and I kind of knew this was going to happen, but it's always a good reminder of wherever you go, there you are. Right. So everything that we had in Los Angeles in terms of concerns and anxiety and worries that they didn't leave, they're all they're still here with us. Um, We might be in a location where we can do more just because currently the case count is, you know, on this island, non-existent. Wow. And that's going to change when the island opens in in a week and a half. But um, it's you know, it's given us a new lifestyle than we had for the past six months in Los Angeles. Um, you know, I definitely was one of those people that, um, aired more on the side of, of cautious during this entire time. So, you know, we, we weren't doing a lot. We weren't going, right. the kids were spending a lot of time at home on screens, whether it was FaceTiming with their friends or playing Roblox or doing whatever it is that they were doing. You know, um, we have a place up in Oxnard, which we would go to, but the beaches were so crowded. I wouldn't even take the kids to the beach. Like it was, you know, it was a really kind of wretched existence. And so when we were thinking about what Kauai could offer, you know, it was, it was really, it it was hard in some ways. It meant the kids were going to have to be getting up at five in the morning to be. Yeah. I was wondering about that for schooling. Yeah. Okay. So that was a trade-off. It was like, if we go. 5 a.m., at least until November 1st, and then 6 a.m., which is fine. But 5 a.m. is rough. It's, it's, it's really early. I have to be like a bedtime drill sergeant, making sure everybody is asleep by 7 so that they can get 10 hours. Um, and so that was a trade-off. Um, but at the same time, you know, they're running around town. They're at the beach every day. They're, you know going to stores and shopping and doing things that we hadn't done in LA since March. So um, it's definitely more of a life here for sure, but it's also really hard um, in terms of online school. I mean, you know, my Pip is five. So she's doing kinder 
Online. How is that going? I know kinder is the most difficult year. It's brutal. She's also a kid who just wants to be with friends and socialize. So it's particularly difficult because it's taking away that one thing that makes kindergarten so wonderful and special, which is running around and playing with your friends and getting to know them. And so she also, you know, can barely read. So somebody has to be with her at all times from 5.30 until 11 every day to read the instructions, to help her figure out the seesaw assignments, to help keep her on task, to help her get onto her Zooms. So it's a full-time job. Spence and I are just trading on and off. When I have to work, he, he does it. And it's a little bit too tech for my dad um, who's 74, who was, you yep. know, gung-ho to help, but then saw what it entailed and was like, oh my God. <laughs> right. No. I know. I know. So, um, all of those challenges that would have been there in Los Angeles are here too, you know? Yeah. And as much as my kids are so appreciative of clean, fresh air, of being able to take bike rides and walks and go to the beach and do all the things that they can do because we're not in Los Angeles right now. If they were given the choice, all they want is to be back in school. They just want to be back in school. You know what I'm interested in hearing from you, Rachel, is it, it, it does sound like, you know, there's some of these these blessings, but then there's this reality too. You know, I, I understand being super conservative and, and not seeing people when you were in L.A. and stuff. How, how did you navigate that with maybe friends who weren't on the same page? Was that difficult for you? You know, it. It was tricky. I mean, I think it's been tricky for all of us because of social media. We see people, it looks like they're living a life. And and you know how deceptive social media can be. It's part of the reason that I can't stand Instagram. It's also part of the reason that I am only posting photos from Hawaii to my close friends because I don't think it's appropriate to be showing this to, I know how many people are struggling and I know there's, there would be a perception of how life is and I, it's not accurate. And I feel like the people that really know me obviously understand that we're still wearing our masks everywhere, still being super cautious, still doing what we were doing in LA. You know what I mean? Um, but we would, I would look at pictures of my friends and think, Oh God, they're doing so much more or, you know, oh God, they're so excited for school to resume. And yet I don't think we're going to be the family that's going to send the kids back in the first wave. And, and, um, you know, I, I don't think, I think it's a very unique human who doesn't experience FOMO. And I think FOMO has been right. real yes. this year. So I would see pictures of friends at the beach and I'd be like, crap, are we making the right decisions for the kids? I mean, that, I think that parenting in the pandemic has to be the hardest thing in the world because all you do is think, am I making the right decision for my kids? Am I utterly screwing them up by, by holding them back and keeping them home? And, and, you know, yes, we're safe, but what's the cost, right? So, um, yeah, daily, you know, it's, it hurts the brain. How, how often I'm, I'm thinking that, am I doing the right thing for the kids? Even here, when I see that they're thriving and loving it, I'm like, but but, but am I doing the right thing? Like, um, you know, is it too much change? Is it? It's just like you're constantly questioning. Right. And I, I feel the same way. I mean, the whole FOMO fear of missing out. I, I, I get it because I would see people and I would think, 
am I just this monster trapping my children in their in the house? And then I would just keep going back to, I need to follow what LA County is advising. Oh. And I have people who would say, oh, I feel kind of sorry for your kids. You're not letting them play baseball or you're not. And I'm thinking, just be measured, stay in where you need to stay. And no, it's our family decision, but it is difficult. That's what we talked with the kids about a lot. We were like, every family is making a choice that's right for them. And one of the things that I think, you know, we've been really clear with the kids about is that it's not really about them. It's about other people. And so we are doing our part to keep a more vulnerable part of the population safe. Right. So it's a sacrifice, yeah. but that's what it is. And sometimes it's, it, it's not fun and it's hard, but it's what we have to do. Um, so I'm hoping that maybe that is a piece that sticks with them later in life that, you know, it's not always easy. But sometimes we have to do something for the greater good. No, I absolutely think it will. Do you think that they are going to have a, a traumatic kind of experience from this and, and difficulty moving on? Or do you believe the resilience will kick in and, you know, this is just a part of, you know, life? And I mean, a right. lot of research has shown that kids in prior times where there's been difficulties, they do bounce back and they are okay. I mean, what I think is that we, you and I, like people in our generation and probably even our parents' generation, have been incredibly lucky because we haven't seen times like this, right? right? But you think about what our grandparents grew up with, you know, in terms of, um, you know, and our great-grandparents, world wars and the Great Depression. And, you know, even, you know, my grandfather lived through the uh, pandemic in 1918. It's like, wow, there yeah. are so many other generations that have been faced with, these really massive life things that you have no control over that you just have to live through and it becomes part of your story and it becomes, it helps you develop into the adult that you're going to be. And so I just, there's a part of me that keeps saying, no matter how much I complain about this or struggle with it or whatever, this is just part of my kid's story. This is just a thing that's going to be part of what turns them into the adults that they're going to be. And I have no, I, I can't control that, you know? Yeah. No, I, I feel the same way. I mean, wars or, right. or you know, it's, it's just going to be a part of, of who, the, of, of who they are, of who they are. And, and, and it will be a time, I think, to look back on the silver linings. If your family hasn't been affected the way so many have, but to know that, wow, this kind of bonded us, this uh, bonded us in a different way than we may have not ever experienced. Well, and if you think about it, our kids, you know, when they're in college or they're starting their first jobs or they're in their thirties and they're talking to somebody from India or Pakistan or Russia, you know, they will have a shared experience. This is a shared global experience, you know, like unlike anything we've ever experienced, 9-11, whatever, that was an American experience. This is a global Thing. So it's like, oh, what were you doing in the pandemic of 2020? It's it's this thing that that our kids will have that will connect them. No, oh, you're totally right. And it is part of their story now. It really is. So my, yeah, tell- my, I was just saying my hope, my hope was in, in coming here 
was maybe just to give a little bit of a different spin on it. So it might not be completely remembered as the time of the pandemic, but maybe the time that they got to live on this little island in the middle of the ocean, right? Amazing. It's a gift. It's a gift. Mm -hmm. And you got to look at those gifts. I mean, I, Jackson was all in baseball and because of the pandemic couldn't play and is now loving golf. And so that was something that came to him. So just trying to look at what we could do during this time. Now I want to kind of move a little bit further into, do you think this experience, will you come back to LA? (laughs) You and I are like, it's funny because I was just thinking that that was something I wanted to touch on because as you were saying, you, you discover new things, right? So Jackson discovered golf. It's like, we discovered, we don't have to be in LA. Um, neither Spencer or I are from Los Angeles. We're both from the East coast. So, um, we always said that they had to pay us to live in Los Angeles. (laughs) Grown to love many things about it. And it does feel like home, but at the same time, there is a lot that we don't love, we don't love the weather. We are people that like snow and rain and seasons. And, you know, we don't adore the traffic and the congestion and the air and everything. So yes, all things are on the table uh, right now for what the future will hold for our family. We, um, Spence and I have always seen ourselves ending up in Canada, in Vancouver. We love it. It's like a second home for us. Um, We are talking about pushing those plans up if that is even possible with the current situation. So, right. you know, but it's, it's interesting though. So other things are opening up for you. Yeah, totally. Um, also the, we've been talking about a move to Canada for as long as I can remember, but there have always been things in the way that stopped us as in, you know, certain relationships with people and certain, you know, how much the kids love school and all these different things. And, and, and yet, all of that has been stripped away this year, you know? Yeah. And so it, it definitely, if we were going to do it, it gives us a nice jumping off point because those ties that were holding us to Los Angeles are, have loosened quite a bit in the last seven months. Well, and that's, what's kind of so interesting about this whole situation. It's, it's, it's this reset. It's a true reset about how life is going for you. Are, do you like the way it was? Do you want to change the way it was? Right. What do the kids feel? How, so what are your, what are the girls saying to you? How are they feeling at this point? Like, I think they're so tired of me checking in with them. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Are you you happy? Like, are you glad we're here? You know, and, um, you know, Bella, you know, Bella, um, love Bella has been asking me a lot, mommy, can we just go out? You and me, can we just go out to dinner? You and me. Um, and you know, so finally last night it was like, yes, yes, we will just go out. You and I said, again, something we never did in LA. We did not eat out, had not gone to a restaurant since. Right. But here it's, you know, amazing. Not only are there no cases, but, um, all the restaurants are outside. So it's like, you know, kind of nice. You've got some options. You've got some options. So we went out to eat and, um, and again, I did that like, okay, so how are you? You know, how's it going? Is everything okay? And she keeps reporting back that she absolutely loves it. You know, that she gives it a 10 out of 10. Wow. I like that. 
she misses the animals. You know, our animals are, are in Los Angeles with our um, wonderful, wonderful nanny who's been with us for a decade. And we wanted to figure out a way also to be able to continue to keep her. And so I said, do you want to stay with the animals? And she said, yes, so it all worked out. But, you know, we miss the animals. We miss, yeah. you know, Bella, she's, she misses the feel of home, obviously. But yeah. she loves living with her grandpa. Like that experience is something that, that was another driving force for coming here. I was like, when are we ever going to have the chance to live with my dad? Like, when will that ever, ever come up again? Probably never. No, that, and so you're, it's, it's as though you're taking advantage of what you can control and, and, and staying positive. Tell me a little bit about what's upcoming for you, career. Um, what should we be looking out for? What are you working on? Let's see. Gosh, um, I am. Well, um, I mean, we start recording season 16 of American Dad on November 18th. In the closet. <laughs> and uh, we're in season whatever for Family Guy, too. So we have both of those going. Um, I'm recording um on a new version of Tom and Jerry and uh, all the other oh. shows that I've been doing, Fancy Nancy, Bless the Hearts, you know, like all the other stuff, which is great. So all my work is still rolling. And, um, you know, Spence and I are, are in the process of developing Eleanor Wyatt into an animated series. And we're really getting close on that. We've got great producers and great backing. So we're uh, looking for a home right now. We're pitching and doing all that good stuff. So that's amazing. T tell everybody about Eleanor Wyatt. I mean, I I'm sure a lot of people know about Eleanor Wyatt, but um, this is your children's book. It is Eleanor Wyatt, Princess and Pirate and Harrison Dwight, Ballerina and Knight are our two children's books that I wrote and Spence illustrated, um, I guess, uh, what, two and three years ago. Yeah. Not long, one and two years. Two and three I, years. I feel like, I feel like one and two. Yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, the, the series just takes all of our ideas of, um, sort of a gender neutrality with kids in play and it just pushes it even further. Um, and that's what we want to do. We want to have an animated series for kids that, you know, represents everybody and everyone on the, you know, LGBTQ spectrum and presents it as normal. Just this is, this is normal. You know, um, these are, I love it to meet throughout your life. And these are kids that you're going to be in school with. And, um, we want to push it, you know, we want to push. And I think we're getting a lot of really good feedback. So we're hopeful that we find a home for it pretty soon. We're hooked up with some pretty great writers and, um, and, Again, it's something we've been able to do from here, which is amazing. Yeah. Well, and it's 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 amazing because what you're trying to do, uh, you know, building this foundation that everybody is the same, everybody mm -hmm. should be treated the same, everybody is equal, and it's such a wonderful theme to present to very young children to begin that education. And uh, you know, I'm a fan of your your books, and I'm just a fan of you. And your husband and your family. And I'm so grateful that you took the time from your Hawaiian bedroom to give us <laughs> some time. You're saving me from kindergarten right now. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, thank you so much, Rachel. Tell people where they can find you. I know where to find you, but tell people where they can find you. I am uh, Girl McFarlane on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, yeah, that's that's me. I, that's I am a, you. not a Facebooker, but I am uh, active on, on Instagram. Thanks for listening to Kids Under Construction. This is the place to come for advice and important conversations. You can follow me at Donna Tatro on Facebook and Instagram. Be sure to download, subscribe, and listen to Kids Under Construction. Thank you. The Kids Under Construction podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional.